You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's that time of the week again. It's time for the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I hope you are all doing well and I hope that all Bengals fans are feeling pretty good about the preseason opener. There was a lot to like in that game and the Bengals started off the season with a win so you can't really complain too much about that. I'm Anthony Cazenza and I'm joined by the the clean the clean cut John Sheeran. He he told me before the uh the show he got a he got the ears lowered as they say. So um you're looking sharp my friend. I, I appreciate it. I feel sorry for those who who download the show via audio because they're not seeing the the nice quaff yeah, if you're downing this, you're just missing two handsome dudes talking Bengals. So. <laughs> if really anything, just, <laughs> just throw it on mute and, and watch us talk, right? That's, <laughs> that's, that's no, what this no, show No one's going to listen. It's a visual experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We could rename the show and, and bring Scott in just called Three Handsome Dudes Talking Bengals. We could we could rename it, but... Uh, yeah, two and a half heads of hair. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, um. Good to have you with us. I, I know we've got a lot to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna just to kind of plan out the show here. We're gonna talk about the Bengals' win over the Bears in the preseason opener. Who impressed? Who didn't? Uh, some guys to watch, and obviously there's you know there's a ton of stuff to go through. Uh, you know I've I've done a couple of video clips. I know John's done a bunch, um, and then the Bengals kind of closed up training camp, but they're obviously obviously still practicing and doing that and going through the preseason motions. We're going to talk about out and Tate. Good preseason opener. Um, there's a lot more film coming out that shows him that has a lot of talent, but there are still some questions, and we'll talk about that. Uh, we hope to be joined by Scott Schultze in just a little while. He is busy on a an SB Nation Cowboys uh, podcast, so if you get the chance – I believe their site's blogging with the boys, so uh, they have a podcast through there. So if you get the chance, check out that podcast and listen to Scott's little turn on that when it comes out uh, this week. And hopefully he'll come back, talk some fantasy football with us. We're going to preview the game against the Cowboys coming up, what we're looking for, guys we're watching. And then, of course, we will take listener questions. Leave those in the YouTube chat. Leave those for us on Twitter at BanglesOBI, via email, theobinsider at gmail.com, or if you're watching through Cincy Jungle, you can leave it on the comment thread. We'll also open up the phone line that we have. I'll give that number out in just a little bit. Uh, that'll be open towards the end of the show. If you guys want to call in or text in, we will uh, we will be taking those. So uh, we, we look forward to hearing from you there as well. So, John, let's just kick it off. Initial impressions for the Bengals. 30-27 win against the Bears, obviously – Preseason week one, you don't really know what to expect. But the Bears have already played a game. They, they played in the Hall of Fame game. Their starters didn't really play that game. But kind of had a little bit of a leg up, I guess, over the Bengals. And the Bengals still beat them. And to me, I thought the starters came out firing, especially on offense. Um, things looked pretty good early on, and that's what you like to see, especially 
in the first preseason game. Yeah, so for both teams, you're expecting um, two kind of refreshed offenses with because the Bears had Matt Nagy come over from Kansas City, Kansas City, Andy Reid disciple, and kind of just let that offense run through Mitchell Trubisky's strengths. And it was their second preseason game, so we don't know if you know they kind of let everything loose or just kept it mundane. But if they if they kept it mundane, then the Bengals obviously took advantage because the defense, the first string defense, was on fire. They were attacking the ball. They were getting generating good pass rush with Dunlap and Lawson and Atkins and they're the secondary is collapsing down on short passes and they're attacking well. So when Trubisky and the first team bears offense was out there, the defense looked great. It looked like it was ready to become a top 10 unit, even without perfect on the field. And on offense, obviously there was the Ross mishap, the legend interception, but I really liked how they utilized the receivers. I, you had um, green in the slot on a couple of plays. You had Ross, um, kind of manufacturing yards for him on the outside. You had Boyd lined up inside, outside. You used uh, Uzoma in that Eifert role as that moved tight end. And at least we saw uh, Cordy Glenn and Clint Bowling look like, you know, competent offensive linemen. The only issues were, you know, from Price to Hart, from the center to the right tackle, we still saw some question marks there. And it, it could be a case of them, you know, still trying to gel together because there's a lot of rotation in there and training camp. Or you just saw a good Bears defensive line and Akeem Nix, Eddie Goldman, kind of take advantage of some of those guys. And, you know, there, there, there are still shortcomings with those with those players right there. And, you know, I think the Cowboys are going to be a really good test to see if that was more of a fluke or more of a sign of things to come. Yeah, it's, it may have been a combination of both, you know, some issues. Uh, you know, a, a combination of learning to gel with each other, um, maybe some talent issues, uh, jitters, all that kind of stuff. I, I, to me, this game was about the, uh, this game was about the young guys and the new faces. Um, you know, now Cordy Glenn isn't really necessarily a young guy, but he's a new face. He kind of had a little bit of an up and down day. Uh, you mentioned John Ross and I want to, I want to get to that interception play in just a second, but you mentioned him. He had a, a really, really good play as well after the interception where he kind of uh, made a move and sprinted down the sideline, almost scored a touchdown, came pretty close. Joe Mixon, second year player had an outstanding touchdown reception. I was pretty encouraged for the most part by the new faces. Billy Price from what I saw, and if you if you read CincyJungle.com, Josh Kirkendall had a had a breakdown of uh, some of the things Billy Price had had done. Apparently, in the run blocking scheme, Billy Price had not done so so well in terms of Pro Football Focus scores. But as a pass blocker, he was pretty dang good. And there's a couple of videos where he was pretty stout at the point of attack. There, um, give me your overall impression of the young guys, the new faces. I, I mean, I think there's still some growing pains out there. After all, what, this is John Ross's, including the preseason, maybe fourth or fifth total NFL game that he played in. Um, I, I guess start there and go with the others. And then the side note I want to add, Ross, is was that play all his fault? Yes, he slipped, but was that throw behind him? I kind of thought maybe that was a little bit of a combination of factors, but hard to tell when he slips, right? Yeah, well, he slipped at the top of the hitch route, and on that – on that type of play, um, the proper placement for the quarterback doll in this case is to throw it inside it, yeah, because, yeah. It, because you got to shield, you, you got to put it between the receiver and the cornerback because if you put it inside, it means the cornerback doesn't have a path to jump the route. So when obviously when Ross falls down, path is easy for the, for Kyle Fuller in that case to just jump it. 
So, I mean, he, I mean, he just slipped, and it, it, I guess it's a valid question to say maybe Ross is still trying to get his feet under him. Maybe, like, you know, he's still – Literally. <laughs> like, li- literally getting his feet under him. Like, we know he's fast, but it's that controlled quickness and speed and ability to stop on a dime and make those sharp cuts that we know he can make, that he did make in Washington. He's still, you know, trying to get back into the swing and things. He's still, like I said, get like we said, getting his feet under him. So Ross, I mean, it was it was one mistake. Other than that, they targeted him a few times in the end zone on like a couple like fade routes, and it was good coverage on all those on the, on those three specific uh, incompletions. But regardless, I, I think the offense around him was was structured very well with obviously mixing lining up out, out wide that one time on the touchdown. Uh, on defense, I think in the limited time we saw Jesse Bates, he looked pretty good at collapsing downhill and run defense. Um, Sam Hubbard missed a lot of tackles in the backfield, even though he was getting in the backfield, you know, disrupting in that sense. So like, like to see him kind of finish up those plays a little bit. Um, other than that, uh, Oh, Malik Jefferson had one very bad angle on a, on run defense. Uh, one of the first houses he was in, but in coverage, I think he did a solid job picking up some routes yeah. out of the backfield and, you know, you, you want to see him. He's like the perfect weak side. He's like the perfect pursuit linebacker because you'd like to see him scrape across the backside of the defense and just letting his, you know, just let his speed take over. Don't let him think too much. Just let him attack the ball. Don't let him attack blockers downhill. They have a, the Bengals do have a lot of like weak side, like pure weak side linebackers. I think Vigil's a pure weak side linebacker. Evans is and Jefferson is all behind perfect. So I think those three guys, well, obviously Vigil starts across from perfect at Sam, but I like Evans and Jefferson, what they bring behind perfect at that position. Yeah, and I was encouraged by the defense, especially the first unit. You know, they held the Bears in check uh, quite a bit. Now, they had a – Carlos Dunlap had kind of a bonehead penalty, and I I didn't really see exactly how that played out. Maybe it was a ticky-tack call, but um, he had a roughing the passer uh, call against him that extended the Bears' drive. Luckily, didn't lead to points. The Bengals ended up clamping down, getting off the field on third down. But right away – one of their issues getting from 2017, getting off the field on first down or third down, excuse me, showed up very early in the game, which wasn't, which wasn't good to see, but you know, they held the bears in check quite a bit until uh, you know, the, the, the back end roster guys kind of, and the backups came in. Um, So I was pretty encouraged there. I was pretty encouraged with the offense. You know, I think most of us were watching the offense because that's the unit that has largely struggled over the past two seasons um, because of attrition and injuries and loss of talent and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, I was I was pretty encouraged, even though there were some mistakes. And I think if, to be quite honest with you, the Bengals were, were having a, a pretty good lead. Um, they, I think they were, what were they, 7-0. They throw the pick six, tie, then they come back, they score again. I mean, who knows if they don't throw, if John Ross doesn't slip, um, who knows what that what the rest of the offense the offense's performance looks like? Andy Dalton to me looked crisp. Now, I want to ask you about Matt Barkley. Um, th- there's been some issues with Logan Woodside, so he didn't really you know get into the mix in this first uh, preseason game. Uh, Jeff Driscoll got some work and obviously threw that touchdown pass, kind of backyard football play to out and tape. But I want to ask ask you about Matt Barkley because. I saw a couple of plays where guys could have had touchdowns for him, and they were good. I think Tyler Croft dropped one in the end zone. John Ross nearly had a touchdown, almost 
got that second foot down. Um, I didn't think it was a terrible throw by Barkley, but you know, the stat line may, may have lied a little bit for Matt Barkley in terms of my, what I saw, am I crazy or, you know, is it just, Hey, you know, some of these guys barely missed on getting a touchdown catch and, you know, his numbers would have looked a lot better. Well, I know that you are a USC fan and uh, <laughs> Barkley is from USC. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but well, really, no. My honestly, take honestly was, no. I, I just I did see an opportunity for two touchdown catches right. yeah. that were not made. Yeah, and you know there were there were some, and then I I for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I I posted a video that it was on a third down where Barkley and unfortunately it was Jake Fisher at left tackle, Cedric Abwehi at right tackle. Neither guy, I mean Jake Fisher just totally let his guy by him. And Cedric Abue, he led his guy around him. Barkley had to kind of backpedal with guys in his face. Threw not a great ball, but, I mean, it, it moved the sticks and got him into scoring yeah. position. So, I mean, there's little plays like that where I was kind of encouraged after hearing so much poor play and practices from him, from Driscoll, from, you know, all of those guys. Then you throw in a, a potential touchdown that could have been made two different times and was not. So that's kind of where I am. Maybe I maybe my USC bias is showing up a little bit, but um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I, I think in terms of what I saw. Yeah, I think that largely Driscoll and Barkley are re- really similar in terms of just being backups. But I think Driscoll showed he has the advantage in two specific areas, and that's velocity on more outside throws, on more throws outside of the numbers. I think that showed up. Um, just just from the limited reps that we've seen from both. And I think that, as you mentioned, Barkley had to deal with pressure um, from both sides and up the middle. And I think Driscoll's more equipped to kind of create on his own and maybe escape the pocket and keep his eyes downfield. Barkley is not the athlete that Driscoll is. And what's good about Driscoll is that not only is he athletic, but in those plays where he had to escape the pocket, he kept his eyes downfield. He reset his feet and he made some throws on the run. And I think that's, Obviously, a, a, a valuable trait to have when you're go, when you're playing behind, you know, backup offensive linemen. And as we know in the NFL today, backup offensive linemen have never been worse compared to backup defensive linemen. So obviously, Driscoll has those components and those traits to look better in the preseason. And but regardless, I think that if you were to throw either of them into a regular season game against you know starters on defense, they would look largely the same. Whereas, but but Driscoll does have maybe one or two more enticing traits over Barkley. And I think we saw both of those on Thursday. Yeah. I mean that, that touchdown pass he threw to Tate was, uh, was pretty fun to watch. Uh, right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're getting away with that every, every uh, Sunday in the regular season, especially against some good defenses, good defensive lines, but um, you know, he made it, he made it fun to watch. And if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, go, go look it up, go check it out. It's pretty fun. Before we move on to out and Tate, and uh, some things both from the, the preseason game and from practices since. I want to talk more about the offensive line. You mentioned some ups and downs from Billy Price. I think we expect that from a rookie. You mentioned some ups and downs from Cordy Glenn. I think you expect that from a guy that's new uh, in, in, the, in the system. Um, what? I, I guess... Did you did you see a lot of Abwehi and Fisher? Because I kind of singled out one play, and it was an awful play. 
Um, I have never played offensive line. I've never coached offensive linemen. I watch a lot of football, so I, I know, you know, a bit about the ins and outs of, of the play up front. But, I mean, if you see that video, that was pretty awful. Now, I don't – I didn't track every snap those guys played. Um, the backups did come in and score points, so that was good. But what did you see from them – and I don't know if you noted the fact that they maybe, especially in that one play, struggled as backups against backups. Right. Um, for both of them, maybe Fisher specifically, it was quite the roller coaster, I think. Um, for every good play, every solid rep that they had, they had an equally disastrous one. And that's not that's not what you want to see from them. You want to see uh, the, uh, the that dynamic is part of the reason why Bobby Hart is starting, because I think he's shown more stability on a down per down basis at that at the right type of position than a boy he has shown and obviously Fisher because he's not even backing up at right tackle he's at left tackle now and you know those two have switched both from both sides in their three years here and I don't think that's helped either um, but there's a lot of high variance in play with those two guys and we saw that a ton against the Bears and just whiffing and pass protection um, and, but between those some good movement in the run game. And it was kind of just that back and forth performance from both of them. And it kind of, I guess it kind of showed from our perspective why they might trust Bobby Hart at this point more because his highs and lows have not been as drastic as, as theirs, I guess. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I would have liked to have seen them come in against, you know, the backup guys, if they were coming in as backups, the backup bears guys, and play well. And then you kind of have more of a discussion to really say like, hey, you know, maybe maybe now we can really think about really putting them in for starting snaps, that sort of thing. To me, I just didn't see it. Um, yeah. And I again, I didn't watch every single snap, but I did watch some early ones and um, wasn't encouraging overall. Now, they, that doesn't mean every single play was awful, but um, – I just I, I wasn't encouraged overall by their play. Yeah, me neither. Uh, this is the orange. Yeah, this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Shearing. We're talking about the Bengals win over the Bears in the preseason opener. I think we have our other co-host Scott Schulte uh, joining us. He came in from a uh, Cowboys podcast to the SB Nation Network, and I think he's still kind of getting settled. So we'll let him do that in just a second. Get his thoughts on. The Bengals' preseason win over the Bears, pretty good win in uh, in week one, and uh, there was some sloppiness, but to be expected, and uh, I think, uh, you know, the offense overall looked pretty good. You can get this program on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, CincyJungle.com, and uh, you can also get in touch with us via Twitter at BengalsOBI. You can get in touch with us via email, theobinsider at gmail.com. And then later on, we're going to open up the uh, the OBI line. Maybe we got to figure out a, a better name for that. I don't know. I don't know what to really call that. But we'll open that up and uh, take a couple of listener questions to finish the show. Um, moving on, John. Still talking a bit about the Bengals' preseason game against the Bears and, and other facets. Alden Tate continues to be the kind of the talk of the talk of the preseason. And, uh, you know, ever since spring workouts and when they were kind of throwing the football around in shorts and T-shirts and stuff, um, they were they marveled at his ability to catch the ball, his catching radius, to come down with the ball, to make tough catches, all of that good stuff. Um, not an overly fast guy. Very big, very strong. Um, 
he made a great play in the preseason opener. So I guess let's start there. He had the, the big touchdown catch. Driscoll kind of ran around, extended the play, and uh, tossed one up. It wasn't an absolutely awful throw. I mean, it wasn't something where it just was like a wounded duck that he came down with. But, you know, he had, he had to kind of jump ball the thing a bit. Um, your, your thoughts on his play in the, in the preseason opener? And the only reason why we know the cornerback who Tate had to jump over to catch the touchdown is because he was on last chance U. And we, <laughs> we wouldn't have known him if he wasn't on that show because he's a third-string cornerback for the Chicago Bears and will probably not make the team for all, for all that we know. The reason why I was on, I'm on record on the show for saying Tate would not make the roster is for a couple reasons. Because Brandon LaFell is still here, and yep. since he's left, he has – better chance to make roster, but for another reason is because we have not, we still haven't seen him run any good routes yet against competent cornerbacks. And that, that performance against the bears is kind of what I expected to happen because he's just bigger and stronger and can jump higher than anybody playing at the bottom of a roster in the secondary. And I, I, it was literally at the point where Driscoll was like, all right, I'm going to to my left and just throw it up there. And he came down with three balls. Two of them came, were offset due to the penalties. I think one of them was the pass interference that we didn't, we didn't see from the replay angle. But, I mean, he just looked like he has always looked at Florida State, just the ability to adjust his body in midair and time his extension to the catch point perfectly so defensive backs have no chance of possibly defending it. And it was just the culmination of everything that we've seen in practice, everything that we saw from Florida State. And I think we, if you've been paying attention, you kind of kind of knew that this performance was likely against, you know, just not that good of competition. So that's that's where I'm going with this next topic, uh, your, your last sentence there. And I listened to the whole thing you said. I, I promise. It's not just the last sentence. But uh, the that I, I guess – I mean, I look at a comment from from our friend uh, Terrell in the YouTube chat. Terrell Howell, uh, Tate reminds me of Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the, the big guys that aren't necessarily fast, but they're big, strong, have good jump, you know, jumping ability, catching radius. Um, Kelvin Benjamin was another guy we talked about. Devin Funchess, you know, again, Florida State guys, so they 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 like those guys too, but. Well, Funchess was Michigan. He was Michigan, but Benjamin Benjamin was Florida State. You you know what I'm saying. Uh, But I I guess I worry. You know, it does look like Tate has an inside track of of making the roster, whether that means he's going to be active on game days, whether it's going to be a high-profile role, whatever, we don't know. But I guess I worry about sustainability of – what he's able to do against top end defensive talent in the NFL and in the regular season, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to say I doubt the kid or anything like that because what the videos I've seen and and the plays I've seen from him are excellent. And in the, in the practices following the Bengals preseason win, uh, I think our, our good friend, James Rapine and Joe Goodberry, I think yourself, John have posted some, some great videos of him at practice and, you know, more, it just continues more and more big catches, you know, coming down with the ball in traffic, all that kind of stuff. The thing I worry about in terms of sustain, sustainability with this is ev- almost every single play that he comes down with a the ball, there is zero separation, zero. 
And you talked about him making this play last last week or uh, last week, and then we see some more stuff come up again. It's against backup guys, fifth round corner Darius Phillips. Not saying he's a bad player, but you know it's not a shutdown corner guy. It's not one of the guys. It's not a Sher- Richard Sherman who has a length. The length. So I guess my my point is I'm worried about sustainability of what he's doing in the regular season if the team's going to rely on him heavily. Yeah, and that's a valid concern because he's not a good route runner. There's no ands, ifs, nors, or buts about it. He's not good coming out of his breaks and manipulating defenders and out-leveraging them. He's, he's just not a good route runner. You know, Antonio Brown would run circles around him in that department. But he's big and he's strong and he's got long arms. And I think he's at, – at this point, I think he's developed a certain level of trust with all three quarterbacks to just – you know, just throw the ball up there and somehow he's going to come down with it. But again, that's going up against, you know, bottom of the roster def- defensive backs. So if you're, if you want to make the roster, I wanted to make the roster, but if you want to make a good impact, then you have to expect him to go up against guys who are going to play the ball better than guys who might not make the roster. And that's a valid concern because outside of, you know, just red zone plays and just sideline plays, he's going to have to win, you know, against good cornerbacks if he wants to be active and wants to produce on game day on a consistent basis. And we haven't seen that yet. You know, receivers don't have to be these uber athletes, but the, but the starting defensive backs in the NFL, they're all uber athletes. And Adam yeah. Tate doesn't have any single specific high quality athleticism trait besides just size. And that that's a very valid concern because if you're not a good athlete in the NFL as a receiver, you need to run good routes and he does neither well. So there's a, there's a valid concern about if he's going to be able to produce outside of just, you know, catching balls in the end zone. And if that's all he's good for, then that's all he's good for. And then you have to wonder, is there a precedent for a guy like that making the roster just for that sole reason? And there hasn't been at this point, but I, I guess at this point, I wouldn't bet against him to reset that or to make that precedent by himself. But it would just be, it would just be weird to see a guy like him not improve in very crucial areas and then become a successful NFL player. And I know that sounds, it sounds like we're putting him down and I don't want to, I know I obviously you don't want it to come off that way, but that's kind of the reality of the situation. No, I, I, I don't want to put him down because what he's done has been impressive and he's a seventh round pick. And you know, you, you don't usually get high, high end dividends from seventh round picks. Now the Bengals have had a couple in the Marvin Lewis era who have helped him out. Um, Jonathan Finane and uh, TJ Hushmanzada are a couple, but um, you know, I I think at this point his his ceiling, unless he proves otherwise, is kind of a niche player in the red zone, a niche guy that um, can do the jump ball. It reminds me of a guy now a little bit different. Uh, he played a, a few years ago and play. He went to UCLA, played a couple years in the league. Joseph Fourier. Uh, he was a tight end. He was 6'7", 260 pounds. But if you remember his rookie year, he played in 16 games. He had 18 catches, and seven of them were touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. So what they did is they just kept saying, all right, let's put you in the red zone. You're huge, and you can come down with the ball and, uh, you know, do your thing. And maybe that's what the Bengals do. Maybe that's kind of a, a similar stat line to what we'll see from a guy like Alden Tate in uh, in 2018, but yet to be seen. I, I just think there's some questions there. I do want to bring in our, our other co-host, Scott Schultz, who is uh, fresh off of 
coming on a uh, coming off of a podcast appearance with the with the Cowboys show. Scott, how are you? What's what's the show you were just on? Actually, I was not on the show. I was supposed to be. We got um, our communication kind of screwed up and tried to work through that. So I think I'm going to be on that later this week. Um, oh, okay. Which is with the uh, the Cowboys blog on Cincy Jungle blogging the boys, uh, which is the team that the you know, Cowboys that's we're playing the Saturday. What delayed me? Well, that was part of what delayed me. The other part what delayed me was I just got off of kid duty and then had to get all the equipment out, like the computer, the headphones, the microphone. <laughs> I was but, I was telling John when we when we started we started a few minutes later than. I would have wanted to because I had a, uh, a similar experience, my friend. So <laughs> no kids I know, here, I know. no limitations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I yeah, okay, yeah. Rub it in, John. Appreciate it. Um, so Scott, uh, yeah. Do, do you have the name? Do you have the name of that podcast, by the way? Do you know? What, do you, or is it um, just going to be up on the the blog? Off the top of my head, I do not know the name of it. I know it's the one that's run by the Blog and the Boys site. So I assume okay. if you, if someone were to jump to the, it sounds like they do it every week and they don't do it live like we do. So I think yeah. that was the confusion because when we, when I had agreed to meet with him, that was before I knew we were doing ours tonight. And then he found out ours was live and his isn't live. He was just looking for, you know, like a recorded segment to gotcha. splice okay. in there. Well, I, I, I apologize if we threw a wrench in your works, my friend, but uh, I'm glad you were it was, able to join It was us. fine because I wouldn't have been able to do that one anyway until a couple minutes ago. It was all okay. good. Well, keep us posted on that. And uh, for our listeners that, that tune into our show, uh, definitely check out Scott's appearance on that podcast. I'm sure it's going to be a great one. Scott, we've been, uh, and I, I, you know, we're, we're, we've got some other stuff coming down the pike. So, um, you know, I don't want to keep talking too much about the Bears, but I do want to get your insight on the Bengals' preseason opening win against the Bears. John and I felt that overall pretty positive. Uh, the offense looked pretty good, and uh, there was a lot to take away um, in terms of feeling pretty good about how the – especially how the, the the starting units and or heavy rotators in those units looked against the Bears. Um as the, as the Bengals won it, won the game. So a uh, couple takeaways, a couple guys that, that impressed you in that preseason opening win. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. Uh, one guy impressed me was Tyler Eifert because he did not get hurt. I know he didn't play. <laughs> he didn't get hurt. Vontez perfect didn't get suspended. So there you go. <laughs> those yeah, are my first two. two. Being more serious, I guess, if I was to look at a couple others. Uh, one, I guess – what I would throw out is I know he wasn't great, but I thought he definitely solidified in my mind his position as the backup quarterback would be Jeff Driscoll. I was not a big fan of what mm. I saw from Barkley. Um, I I like when passes kind of go near the receiver and not you know at their feet or just you know who knows where. So I like that. I know he had the big touchdown pass to Auden Tate. I think I caught the end of you guys talking about that. It was kind of a jump mm-hmm. ball. It was a good play, like you guys mentioned. It was made us a backup against a backup with the ball coming from a backup. Uh, so it is what it is, but still, it was a nice play. It was a nice uh, to see him elude the pressure, which is, I think, something's going to be required behind this offensive line. The other guy who I thought I did well, and um, I kind of wrote this in one of my posts, so it was kind of cool a couple of days later to see PFF agreed with me, which, you know, if they agree with me, I'm all for saying they're a great site. But it was Christian Westerman. <laughs> Which and I after the game I, I was not impressed with Trey Hopkins at all against the first team yeah. defense. There were a lot of yeah. plays where 
he just yeah he did not he did nothing to impress me. Westerman looked really good. I know he's he was on the arrow side on left side playing against backups. I would really like to see him get a chance for that right guard starting spot. And I know that was also a post that someone uh, added to our site, and they where Frank Pollock was kind of asked that question about getting those guys more playing time. So I'd say the guys impressed me. Westerman impressed me. Uh, Driscoll impressed me for I don't think I mean not impressed me to the point where he's going to replace Dalton. Like you said, I think the first team offense did really well. For the most part, there were a few areas, um, maybe getting the rushing average up a little bit, maybe finding you know the, those five sure starters on the offensive line. Uh, the run by Geo, or sorry, the run by Mixon on that catch was pretty awesome. I mean, I think that's yeah. what Bengals fans have kind of come to hope and to see: get him in space, get him where he gets the ball, where he doesn't have two defensive linemen on him as soon as he gets it five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Let's see him get some room to operate and see that kind of stuff more regularly. So. Yeah, overall, uh, yeah, I'm going to say the two guys I mentioned, Eifert and Burfick, because they're not injured and suspended. And, uh, yeah, Westerman and Driscoll, I guess, would be my my top two performers. While Scott is being funny about Vontez Burfick, if you remember, he got in trouble, I believe it was last season, because against of a hit on a – Yeah, against the Chiefs. So, I mean, it's funny, but you're, you're kind of serious because – Yeah, because it's, it, it's it was happened. a preseason game. It's, an, it's yeah, and I mean, it's, it's happened before. It was a fairly clean hit, but it was technically, you know, close enough to the line that they felt it was uh, if I laid a new rule. And so, they, yep. yeah, he missed a few pre- or games in the regular season because of it. Yes, he did. Um, and that's becoming a, a theme. And by the way, Vontez Perfect uh, hurt his foot or ankles in practice and is wearing a boot. So um doesn't appear to be like serious, serious, serious in terms of season ending or anything like that. But it does appear that um, they're being pretty cautious with it and uh, could be a couple weeks, um, which is not good because number one, he was already kind of held out of early parts of training camp because of conditioning issues. Uh, this could help contribute to those coming back. And then, you know, he's going to miss the first four games of the season as well for, for another suspension. So, um, you know, it's always something. not, not, yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, you, you love watching that guy play, but sometimes you just, it's frustrating. Scott, real quick, um, your thoughts on the sustainability of Alden Tate. And uh, it appears that he is making a strong case to make the roster. And a lot of people are very high on him and pulling for him and rightfully so. Um, I, I still worry about the, separating from defensive backs or other coverage, you know, whoever, linebackers, whatever. Uh, every play seems to be a contested catch. Now, that was also a knock on Muhammad Sanu, if you remember him coming out of college, that, you know, that he's he's not a burner, he's not a guy, every catch is going to be contested. Yet, the Bengals and the Falcons have found creative and effective ways to use him. So, you know, maybe maybe they'll do the same without Tate. Maybe he's just, as we mentioned before, you got on here. He's a niche guy, that's a uh, you know a goal line threat um, for fade routes and stuff like that. But again, this stuff is these plays are being made largely against backup defensive backs in the NFL. They're not being made against starting starting defensive backs and guys with huge you know length and all that kind of stuff. Um, happy for the guy. Hope he makes the roster. Hope he contributes. But are you? Should we? I, I feel like we've asked this a couple of times, though, but should we still temper the enthusiasm a bit um, for for Auden Tate and what he will be able to do for the Bengals this year? I think, from my perspective, based on what we've heard in training camp about all the buzz and rave with him, and then also uh, 
like we said, you know, what we've seen, I, I think he's definitely earned a roster spot. I think he's earned more playing time. That being said, do I think he is, you know, a, a Pro Bowl receiver, a guy who has a complete game? I think obviously no. I mean, he was, I think he was, but the 253rd pick out of 256 for a reason with a uh, 20 some receivers going ahead of him. But uh, I'm going to say one guy here reminds me of, and this is going to sound weird at first, is Chris Henry. I mean, his game isn't like Chris Henry, but they're both very similar in that they were guys who had kind of that one thing they did well. I mean, neither one was a complete receiver. Chris Henry barely caught half his passes, but he was someone that did one thing well for this offense. When they had Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson and TJ, you know, Chris Henry's thing was just, you know, he's that long, lean, straight down the field kind of a guy that you just kind of chuck it up and he's on an average 15, 16 yards a carry. He's on a catch, you know, maybe, maybe half the passes if you're lucky, but there's, that's the one thing he does and does well. And fans were cool with that. They weren't looking for him to, you know, work the middle to work the, you know, short passes, you know, do a screen, do blocking. They just want him to do that one thing. And I think Alden Tate is kind of that same kind of guy where I think there's definitely, he, I think he's showing that there's a certain area in the, you know, in the full spectrum of wide receiver that, that he can do well. He's not AJ Green. He's not, you know, someone that's going to do, multiple things great but there's kind of that one area and what i'd like to see is them kind of focus on that and develop that because you guys like boyd and ross are definitely a very different build and you know even uh, aj green's kind of a leaner kind of a guy so he kind of gives you some of that size and then the other thing we were talking about with eifert earlier the odds of eifert playing all 16 games really aren't that good so it'd be nice to have that you know another guy on the yeah, offense and good point and I don't think he's going to do Eifert does where he just, um, you know, beats this, you know, where he beats safeties with ease with the, his routes. But if you can get down and, you know, 10, 20 yard line and just get a big body down there and let's say Eifert's out for what knee or ankle, whatever the next injury will be, it'd be nice to know that, hey, we have this big guy who can be a guy one on one. You can get a mismatch, get him lined up against a, you know, linebacker, maybe a, uh, smaller corner, something, somehow get some sort of mismatch down there, you know, get a quick pass where you can kind of get a jump ball in the corner or something. I, I think that's where you're going to use him and you're going to look at him to play that role because you, know, you kind of hope that between, you know, with Green, with Ross and with Boyd, you have your three guys who you want to do more complete things. Then you have other guys like Malone and Core. you're kind of filling in there. And then Erickson, if he makes the team and then the tight end. So you're not really looking for Auden Tate to, do a whole lot and, and you know maybe hopefully two three years down the road he can develop and become more of a complete receiver but i for the time being i'm just happy to see that hey here's a guy who who's given this opportunity is definitely running with it uh, and yeah let's let's see if he can kind of carve that that little roll out well you heard it here first folks scott is putting the injury juju on tyler eifert so uh thank you, scott appreciate that one that's that's always welcome. <laughs> this, is well, Black Insider <laughs> this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Kazenz, and I'm joined by John Sheeran and Scott Schultze, also of this program and CincyJungle.com. I'm glad to have them with us. You can get this show on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, CincyJungle.com. We're going to be opening up uh, for listener questions in just a little bit here. We'll open up the phone lines for texts or calls. Um, and uh, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter at BanglesOBI and via email the OB Insider at gmail.com. We'll also be looking at the comment thread on Cincy Jungle for 
questions and the live YouTube chat as well. We've already got a couple lined up, so um, we'll try and we'll try and get to as many as we can uh, at the end of the show. Scott, I think we're going to put you on the spot next, my friend. Uh, if you if you are ready, um, we haven't done this for a while, Scott has been the, is our kind of our resident fantasy football expert. He's a legend in his own mind. And uh, <laughs> he, I, I didn't think he'd catch that. Um, but he has won a number of leagues and uh, has is, is very sound in his strategy. So um, we thought that we would ask each ask him one question as teams are starting to be drafted, developed. Now, most drafts, I think, will be probably started starting to be done i think it's mostly after preseason week three once once yep. in, injuries get sorted out and everything um but we're we're almost there i mean we're entering preseason week two so um it's definitely something to think about so i'm gonna let my colleague john go first uh with his with a fantasy football question because i don't want to step on his toes and take steal his thunder i'll let him steal mine if if that's what happens so john what's your question this week for scott in the fantasy football insider so a guy that I'm thinking about, I'm a I'm a zero wide receiver guy, and uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that's when you draft two receivers in the top two rounds. Am I correct in that, or is it zero running back where you do that? Yeah, yeah. If you're going receiver back to back, like uh, you know, pick ten or twenty and fourteen, or yeah, something like that, then it's called zero zero uh, zero running back. Zero running back. So I'm I'm a zero running back uh, stand strategy strategy stand. And a guy that I was thinking about targeting the running back in like rounds three or four is Jarek McKinnon. And only because of the investment that the 49ers have put in him monetary-wise, they signed into one of the biggest contracts at the start of free agency at the position. And also because I'm I'm a big stand of, of Kyle Shanahan and the offense that he deploys. And I think that they've improved the offensive line there as well. Do you think that um, my stock is will, will be – rewarded in Jarek McKinnon in his in his first year in San Fran? I think he is yes and no. Um, I, it's actually, I, it's, there's actually several things I would say with this. And I'll, first I'll add, these questions are coming live, so I haven't had any time to prepare or look up any data, so I'm just kind of... That's what, it's the best answer. Yeah, shooting from the hip. So the if you're doing zero running back, so say you're picking probably um, mid end of the first round and then following up with you know snake draft getting a guy early second so you're looking like let's say antonio brown aj green you know for this to make their up names so by the time it gets back to you in the third round uh based on jarek mckinnon's average draft position he's not going to be there so that's the first problem well, i think he's averaging the end of the second he's like a uh, pick number 10 in the second round is his average draft position so it, it depends on your league. I mean, it depends on who the guys in your league draft. Um, if he's there, if he's not there, if he is there, he's actually a solid pick. And uh, on my board, he's like in the he's like number you know fifteen or sixteen overall kind of. Um, so I think he's definitely a guy who, who can do what you want him to. And like you mentioned, you know, he's he's in a good situ good situation. I think the San Francisco thing is kind of going to be a discount. I think all the San Francisco offensive guys because that team has been struggling offensively so long uh, a lot of the guys whether it's him whether it's a uh, receiver goodwin or even the you know tight end kittle whoever it is and even Garoppolo, all those guys are probably going to go a little lower than they will perform just because the you know their stock is so diminished 
and and you see that across the league, even like the Bengals defense. That's another team that I think is going to do much better than their draft position. Uh, so I think he's going to be a solid one. He he is going to be able to catch the ball, run the ball. Matt Breida, I think uh, I think he got hurt, so I think that kind of helps right now because he doesn't have as much competition. Uh, the only concern with him, and some people are using this as a knock on him, I don't really think it is a knock, is that people say he's never had more than 200 touches in a season. But that doesn't mean he can. It just means he's fresh. And right. I think I've you know, done this long enough to see that you know you've, we've seen guys that never really touch the ball for two, three years, and all of a sudden they get a big workload. It doesn't mean they're going to wear it down. It just means that they're finally getting that chance and they're fresh. And some, sometimes those guys can be big steals. Like Tremor, a few years back, Arian Foster was a good example. His first couple of years really didn't play much for the Texans, was undrafted free agent. Played a little bit his third year. They said he was going to be the starter. Some people question, well, how much is a guy actually going to start? And then he goes and runs for like 300 carries or something. So I wouldn't really use that as a, a reason not to draft him. Uh, if you are if you think the San Francisco offense kind of has that upside and if you're confident that Breed is he are not going to be injured or they're not going to have a committee, which it looks like they're not going to do a committee. It looks like he is the primary guy. I'd say I think he is a solid guy to look at at the end of the second, early third. Uh, depending where you're picking the only concern I would have with McKinnon. Well, okay. Actually I have a, con- I have just one little concern. Unfortunately, I just forgot it. So <laughs> if I think of it, I'll, I'll interrupt Anthony's answer <laughs> and share what it was. We did get injured, I think, but it wasn't too serious. If that, if that's what it was. Yeah. He doesn't have a whole, I mean, yeah, I'd have to, like I said, look him up. I don't remember him having too much of an injury history. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're talking fantasy football with Scott Schulte for really the first time, uh, I believe, in 2018 since now, believe it or not, we're on the precipice of the regular season for the NFL in 2018. Um, In case you are just tuning in uh, or for some reason, for some crazy reason, you are fast forwarding through our podcast and are just landing on this spot. Uh, John Sheeran just asked. John Sheeran just asked about Jerick McKinnon, and I believe Scott has a follow-up comment about Jerick McKinnon. Yeah. So what, Sorry, what's not, the concern? Not to dominate the McKinnon conversation too much. Uh, it looks like he, I just pulled his sheet up because I wanted to be able to speak a little intelligently. Uh, the last three years, he's played 15 and 16 games each week or each year. So the injury thing I'm not too concerned about. Um, the one thing I was going to mention, as far as the investment, one thing I've learned after doing fantasy for, I don't know, 15, 16 years that it seems to be when guys get drafted high because you had mentioned investment. So this, this is this one thing I want to share for anyone who's listening, who's maybe newer to fantasy or just whenever you see a guy drafted high, that's no guarantee that the draft investment is going to result in more playing time. Like you would assume it would. Uh, but when a guy is signed for a lot of money, that generally means they're going to get playing time, especially early on. Now, if the guy just outright is awful, It'll usually be a few weeks. And a good example is Toby Gerhardt. He, he was a backup for the Vikings, just like McKinnon was. He got signed to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a big contract. Just dreadful. He, w- he was so bad that after a few games, they benched him, replaced him with a former Michigan quarterback to become their main running back. Aaron Robinson, yeah. Yeah, and it just never worked out for anyone on that team because he was a guy that was going to kind of the same spot, late second, early third, because now he's getting that chance. He's not backing up Adrian Peterson. He's going to be the guy. And, and he was for a while, but he was so horrible. I don't think McKinnon is horrible like that. Because you watch him play, he actually looks like running back. Gerhardt was more of a glorified fullback guy. needed a good line, a good hole to do anything. Uh, so, sorry, Anthony. 
I just no, you're good. Had to um, fantasy, I had to keep going. I want to talk about I want to talk about rookie running backs, and uh, I'm going to stay on the topic of running backs because though they may not get drafted in the first round by some folks, and they are valued, and uh, people hoard them. I mean, that's just that's just the the truth of it. Um, unfortunately for the Redskins, this isn't a Redskins podcast, but Darius mm-hmm. Geis had a season-ending injury in the first preseason game of the year for them. Very unfortunate for him. And he was a guy that they relied on pretty heavily. And I think a lot of fantasy folks uh, probably thought, you know, he could be a good could be a good pickup uh, maybe in the, the early-ish, mid-ish rounds uh, for a guy. You know, he could, he could do a couple of things, and now he's out for the year. So look at some of the other guys, whether it's, uh, you know, of course, Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubbs, or Nick Chubb, not Chubbs. Chubbs, no, Chubbs is from uh, Happy Gilmore. Nick, Nick Chubb, uh, Ronald Jones, Karrion Johnson, uh, even throw in you know Mark Walton, other other guys. One guy to me that's very interesting, and it, even though he's going to be a backup, is Bo Scarborough, the Alabama back who landed with Dallas. Um, I mean, who's who's a rookie back that? you think could come in and uh, be a, a fantasy contributor for a, for a team? Now, I, I mean, obviously the easiest answer is Saquon Barkley. So I want to skip that because, I mean, he was obviously been given the role of three down back. He's going to get a ton of touches. Yeah. I'm not a big believer in him. I'm actually not going to draft. If, I don't know where I'm picking yet in my drafts, but I'm not a believer of him going uh, early mid first, which is where he's going. Partially because the offense, the offensive line, he's inherit. He's going to a team that doesn't have a great offensive line. And secondly, I just, I know his. He has some great highlight reels. He has some great. He had some great numbers. I just was not convinced. The times I've watched, I watched a lot of Big Ten games, and he's. Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain. He's just one of these guys that he does. He has one move. He does. This, he'll kind of do that one, you know, stutter step in the backs, uh, behind the line of scrimmage, look for that hole. And then take off. And if he doesn't get it, he's he can't really. He's not. I actually like Joe Mixon as a runner more. Just overall pure running talent, uh, just based on how they played. That being said, he's going to get a ton of touches. But you know, someone obviously besides him, who I think has a good chance. And the big thing with running backs, it's all about opportunity. Because I mean, we've we've seen you know year after year that a guy who may be a better running back just gets stuck in a horrible situation where they're not getting the chances for the touches. And in fantasy, it's all about the, the opportunity. You need to get the guys who get as many touches as possible, whether it's targets, whether it's you know receptions and carries for a you know running back, whatever it is. If they're not getting the ball, they're not going to get you any points. So that being said, um, some guys who I think are good, but I would probably avoid if I could, are guys like Sonny Michelle, um, Nick Chubb, just because Chubb right now is stuck behind guys like Duke Johnson, uh, Carlos. I know later in the year he may become, he may emerge as a top guy. Right now he's not that guy. Uh, Michelle, just because uh, I just do not trust any running back on the Patriots. And part of the reason for that is their offense changes from week to week. So one week Rex Burkhead may get 20 points, the next week he'll get zero. And, you know, this guy might get 20 points. When you play fantasy, you. It's very difficult to predict week by week who's going to get. So it's it's better to have those guys who are more consistent. You know, every week in week out, this guy's going to get you his eight ten points. You know, any Patriot running back is not that guy because they may have good numbers at the end of the year, but it's going to be a very very inconsistent, and you really have to guess. So that being said, those guys are 
uh, you know, the guy from the Redskins, he was a great op- you know, he was a great one because he was going to get a lot of opportunity. He had become the number one guy with Chris Thompson being the third down back, and Rob Kelly's kind of fallen a favor. Uh, so, so anyway, I guess I'm kind of going on not answering your question. Let me answer your question, which is a running back who should have a good chance and maybe under the radar. Um, okay, one more I would not go after right now is Rashad Penny because he's hurt and reports out of Seahawks camp is that Chris Carson's actually the starter. Uh, sorry. So anyway, uh, I think carry on Johnson would be one because I think he's going to get the opportunity to play Royce Freeman, I think has a chance with the Denver Broncos because Devonte Booker has really done nothing uh, to show he's uh, earned that spot. CJ Anderson's gone. Uh, and then one other one that I'm going to throw out kind of as a deep one uh, would be Jordan Wilkins from the Indianapolis Colts mm. because as of right now, he, a lot of people are saying, um, uh, Hines, who was the guy they drafted ahead of him, but most people were, if I'm not getting these mistaken, because I've said it's kind of spur of the moment, so I'm trying to remember what I've read over the last month. Uh, I think they're looking at him as more of a third down back with Wilkins and Mack kind of battling for that bell cap, or the you know the first down, second down, which right now is Mack, but Mack really isn't a great runner. He's a, he was their lead back last year just because they had nobody else. But there have been some reports saying that Wilkins has looked Fairly decent. Now he's a very deep guy. You know, that's end of the ra- you know, end of the draft. If you go to the zero, say um, you follow John's strategy, you go to the early receiver. So you get the you know, two stud receivers early on. Let's say you grab a tight end, a quarterback, and then you get to your fifth, sixth round, and now you're desperate for running backs in the top 30 or 40 or off the boards. Uh, that's where some of these guys I'm mentioning might be ones you want to look at over some of the others. I mean, there's other names who are going to be more popular, but – the problem with some of those other guys is they're going to have a very limited upside. So I think when you're getting that deep in the draft, you're you're looking at guys who, okay, this guy may not be at the end of the year, he may not have as many yards, but he has that he has more of that upside. And I think you know when you're getting to the middle end of the draft, that's kind of what you're looking at with those running backs is the guys that could become that starter. And you always want that because you you want those points and you and you need those touches. And that's where you know those guys like. Uh, yeah, I think Karen, Ronald Jones is another one, but uh, right now Peyton Barber's a starter. So a lot of these, I may have a totally different answer in two weeks. And that's one of the very frustrating things is when you have these open battles like you do with uh, you know Tampa Bay and the Colts and so forth, until you know who that starter is, it is so difficult. And like you said, that's why you, you want to have your draft as late as possible. So you definitely want to wait till after the third preseason game because that gives you as many days as possible to, you know, scout everything you can to figure out who these starters are. And with running back, I think the biggest thing is, you know, following those position battles, trying to figure out who are going to be the guys who are going to get the touches. Now, doesn't mean they're going to give you points, but you have a much better chance of getting points if they're going to touch the ball. Yep. Uh, talking running backs and uh, fantasy football, we've got just a couple of uh, comments in the YouTube chat, uh, mixing it up. Says Darius Geis was the dark horse of fantasy. Uh, Carl Benson says running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, bro. Try it out uh, in terms of a draft strategy. And I think, you know, it's it's a sound strategy. So thanks for that, Scott. Uh, We're running a little short on time. So we're going to we're going to move on to uh, previewing the Cowboys. Uh, the Bengals take on the Cowboys Saturday in Dallas. Last time the Bengals played the Cowboys and played them in Dallas, they got absolutely embarrassed 
Uh, it was in 2016 when rookie sensation Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott um, absolutely torched them, and it was not pretty. So uh, this is preseason. We probably won't see a ton of those guys, but we'll see more of them than we would have seen in preseason week once. Uh, John, give me a couple of guys you are watching this week and and in general that you're watching uh, closely, given what we saw last week from the Bengals and what we need to see this week. So I took the liberty of watching the Cowboys 49ers preseason game, the Cowboys first preseason game of the year. And I have to tell you, like, I don't think a lot of Bengals fans may realize how frenetic and energized and fast the Dallas front seven is because they have Demarcus Lawrence, Malik Collins is coming back from injury. Randy Gregory, took first snaps at right defensive end. Uh, Durant's Armstrong, who was a draft pick out of Kansas, he's, he's taking reps at right defensive end. Uh, Jalen Smith is finally fully recovered from injury. Joe Thomas playing next to him at linebacker. This is a very, very fast and dangerous front of seven, and I'm going to be watching the offensive line to see if they can handle those guys getting into the second level and handling Lawrence and Gregory and Armstrong off the edge because – uh, there, are, there are obviously some concerns after the Bears game in terms of just a, a couple guys not named Glenn and Bowling uh, about just you know handling the Bears, and I think the Cowboys have a much more imposing front seven and can really disrupt that first-team offense and in, in the flow of the ball. So Billy Price, Trey Hopkins handling linebackers in the second level, Bobby Hart versus Demarcus Lawrence, um, and also for the Bengals specifically, I want to see Carl Lawson go up against a good left tackle in Tyron Smith because I think a lot of his production last season was up was up against uh, some very young and maybe inexperienced and not so good left tackles. So he's going to have one of his very first real tests in the first couple of drives for the Bengals on defense up against maybe the best left tackle in the league and Tyron Smith. And one more, I guess I'll throw out there, uh, Byron Smith, who was drafted by the Cowboys as a safety. He's now yeah. a full-time quarterback, and he's an athletic freak. And I bet he's going to be lined up against AJ. Um, or he's going to be following AJ uh, cornerback. So how AJ handles him and his length and his and his athleticism, and his quickness, should be interesting because he didn't have the hottest of preseason openers, but he did allow zero receptions on three targets. So that matchup's going to be fun to watch as well. Randy Gregory is a really interesting guy, and for those of you who don't who don't know, he, he was uh, a great college player and just a. Uh, essentially a mess of a human being for the, for the first couple of years in the league. I mean, he's failed drug tests and numerous drug tests and all, all of this stuff. So to, that the fact that he is in the lineup and, and in kind of a starting type of role uh, is very interesting. And obviously, I mean, I, uh, I think in his rookie year, he had three sacks and three preseason games. So, I mean, he's got the ability. It's going to be interesting to see. And, and I, I'm going to kind of echo uh, – I'm going to give a guy that I'm going to watch, but I'm going to kind of echo your sentiments, John, and the fact that it's going to be very – both offensive lines for both teams are going to be very interesting, not only because of the talent of the Cowboys and how touted that offensive line is and the new look of the Bengals and some of the talent they've added there, but the coaches, swap coaches. And uh, Paul Alexander is in Dallas, Frank Pollock's in Cincinnati – and uh, I'm really interested to see how those units respond to the coaching and to the Bengals have a talented defensive front as well. Um, 
Geno Atkins had an absolutely insane game last week in, in limited snaps. So, you know, it's it's that's going to be very interesting uh, in terms of what we're looking for. I'm going to go super easy, super obvious. I'm going John Ross. Uh, John Ross had peaks and valleys in the preseason opener. Uh, he, he slipped on that pass that caused a pick six. He had a, another great reception uh, that, that almost scored a touchdown, as we mentioned earlier. So um, I'm interested to see how they continue to get the ball in his hands. They seem to be – I think they did a couple of screen passes and things of that nature last week. So I'm going to be interested to see how they incorporate again against the Dallas defense. Scott, position groups and specific players you are looking for against the Cowboys as they uh, travel to Dallas this weekend. So a couple of things I'm looking forward to are or looking at are basically our pass defense as far as coverage because no Des Bryant this year, no Jason Witten. So their starters are Alan Hearns and Terrence Williams. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick has obviously struggled. William Jackson was obviously great last year. Hasn't seemed to be as great, you know, in very limited time as far as the you know preseason and camp. So I want to see, you know, you know, this is a group that if any group of receivers is one that they should look good against, I would assume it's got to be Hearns and Williams. And then they're, I think their starting tight end is either Jeff Swaim or Blake Jarwin or so, yeah, it's a group that I'd like to see our linebackers and safeties can cover their tight ends. I'd like to see Drake Kirkpatrick step it up and our, I'd like to see them, you know, see our defensive coverage, be able to cover these guys. If we can't, uh, especially against Dak, Dak Prescott, who's not exactly Andrew Luck, you know, it's a you know, run first team where they just focus on let's hand the ball off, let's be very efficient. I want to be able to see, you know, can't, I mean, I'm hoping we can cover, you know, cover these guys and look great in coverage against them. So that's one thing I'm looking for. The other thing I'm looking forward to is their starting left guard is Connor Williams, who is a Texas offensive lineman that many Bengals fans were wanting us to draft in the draft. When Actually, many Bengals fans were wanting us to draft a lineman. And, we got one, but we had about 11 or 12 picks that only took one lineman. That was a guy we, a lot of – We took two. You can't forget Rod Taylor. You know, seven <laughs> <Okay. round linemen. laughs> yeah, I, I stand – I sit corrected. Uh, but Connor Williams was one a lot of people liked. He, two years ago, he was considered a you know top half of the first round kind of guy. This year he was seen as a guy that would have been a good value. He was still there for several of the Bengals' picks. I'd like to see, you know, did we get it right in passing on this guy or did we really screw that up? So I want to see how he does. Uh, the other one I'm looking forward to is very interesting. And you mentioned uh, the story with Randy Gregory is another guy like that, Jalen Williams, their starting linebacker who played for Notre Dame his very last game at Notre Dame in the bowl game against Ohio State. He got injured. He His draft stock fell to the early second round. I know he was a guy some Bengals fans were wanting us to draft, knowing he'd be out for a year. No one really knew how he'd come back. I think he had nerve damage, and no one knew if it was the kind of nerve damage that was going to be career-threatening or not. The Cowboys took a chance. It looks like it paid off. He was pretty solid last year. Uh, so, I mean, that's just a very amazing story. You know, if you get this guy basically for free, uh, you, you have a very you – know, things are looking very good on their defense. So, those are some areas I'm looking at. The other one I want to see is – and you mentioned this last time we played the Cowboys. Our run defense was just atrocious against that mm-hmm. offensive line. I'd like to see – I know the starters are going to be mixing in and out. We're not. It's not going to be a whole game. But I want to see when our first unit is out there that we at least show some sense of life, that we don't give you know these huge gaping holes for Ezekiel Elliott to gash us like he did last time. So I guess those are the biggest things we're looking for is how do we look in coverage against 
a depleted receiving group that we should look good against. Um, so especially, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick, um, I want to see you do something. <laughs> Uh, our run defense against, you know, a probably one of the best running teams in the NFL as far as, you know, running back and line combination. Uh, how do we look against that? You know, with Pe Preston Brown in there, with Andrew Billings in there, we have some change pieces from the last time we played. Let's see how that how that looks. And then also some of the guys that Cowboys have that at one point Bengals fans were wanting us to draft. So guys like Jalen Smith and uh, Connor Williams. It'd just be nice to see how those guys – because sometimes, you know, we may really want a guy, and then afterwards you're like, oh, yeah, man, I, I'm glad we passed him. But then other times, you know, they draft a guy, and you're like, man, that guy's great. I, I can't believe we passed So it just, it'd, be, it'd just be nice to see uh, how those guys are panning out. Two consecutive weeks, and Scott calls out Drake or Patrick. I like, I like <laughs> it. Um, but it's, it's, it's – I mean – they don't have Dez anymore, so I mean, obviously, that's you know, there's that's an area to watch. Um, in in terms of the running game, I mean, they have Elliott, they have Elliott, they have uh, Bo Scarborough, and they have uh, um, Tavon Austin that they added. So that'll be interesting. Let's move on to some listener questions, guys. We were getting a call right now i believe so let's let's uh this is the orange black insider hi who's this, oh, this is dean dean burke how are you sir doing all right uh we're, we're closing up the show here with a couple listener questions you're our first caller in here what uh what can we answer for you Awesome. We'll take your uh, your question off the air. Good question. And for those, appreciate you calling, Dean. Uh, for for those of you who uh, maybe didn't hear that, he's asking about Carl Lawson getting more snaps than Michael Johnson. Um, Michael Johnson got some some significant snaps last year, but a lot of times he's kicked in inside for nickel packages and all that, and he was kind of effective there. Uh, Carl Lawson, to me, and he was kind of an under-the-radar guy in this preseason opener, but he was, man, he was like in the backfield often, hitting quarterbacks, pressuring them, didn't get the sack, but was in there often. John... Uh, on Carl Lawson, is he going to get the snap? Should he get? I mean, I think most of us believe at this point he's younger, he's more fresh, he's strong. He had an incredible off season in terms of his workouts. Go check out his social media. Um, he looks good, but you know, should he? He's had durability issues in college, so should he be trusted with a high amount of snaps with the Bengals? I think the dirt. I think it's more about him handling run defense and the Bengals have consistently had these, you know, giant ass edge defenders typically man like base defensive end spots. And that's why Michael Johnson's been here for as long as he has and why he's been on the field first on first down. And then it's, and it gets, you know, in the base defense against primarily run looks. I think personally run defense for edges is kind of overblown and, the narrative on it in the NFL is more strict than what it actually is. You just have to keep 
your outside arm clean in order to set the edge and just force runs back. And I think that Lawson over the offseason has improved dramatically in terms of upper body strength. And yeah. he, he is capable of doing that very simple task. Obviously, shedding blocks and you know maybe two-gapping every now and then, that's, all, that's obviously part of it. And that's a lot of quickness and hand placement with a, a, a lot of edge-setting responsibilities. And, yeah, maybe Johnson is further along in, in that department because he's obviously played a little, a little bit longer. And Lawson, you know, even though he was in the three-point stance a lot last year, doesn't have a lot of experience in, in that alignment as a run defender back in his Auburn days. So I think eventually it's not impossible for Lawson to become that because a guy like Brandon Graham, he's built very similarly. He's one of the very best run defenders at the defensive end position, and he's 6'2", 260 with 32-inch arms. He's basically Carl Lawson's size. I think Lawson can eventually be there, but I don't think it's the end of the world if he only gets 50 or 50 to 55% of the defensive snaps this year, primarily as a pass rusher, because that's obviously where – that that's a ton, more, a lot more valuable than just being a three-down player as a part of a run defender as well. As long as he's rushing passer, uh, every chance that he can get on like third downs and passing downs, I don't think it's really that important. Yeah, and we've seen the team use uh, players that aren't necessarily doing in areas that aren't necessarily their biggest area of strength. So um, let him rush the quarterback. That's what he does best. Uh, the good news is he. He has earned more snaps than he got last year. So he will, for sure, get more snaps this year off the edge than last year. It's just a matter of how much. And in limited snaps last year, uh, he had eight and a half sacks. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can hover around that total while other guys continue to step up and contribute in that factor as well. Uh, but good question there, Dean. Appreciate you calling. And you can uh, – we'll try and take more calls – uh, five, 949 um, you can you can call or text and or leave your questions in the YouTube chat. Scott, I'll give this one to you. It's a text from Austin Tran. Um, do you think Joe Mixon will have a breakout year, kind of like Alvin Kamara and Leonard Fournette with the revamped offensive linemen that the Bengals have? Um, I, I think that both is both – Bengals driven and fantasy football driven in terms of the question there. So I'll leave that one for you there. Um, again, breakout year. He was a rookie with those guys last year. Mixon had some nice moments, but the offensive line coupled with a concussion late in the year kind of stunted his growth. So, uh, so uh, your thoughts, your thoughts, yeah, I'm going to say short answer. Yes. Long answer. Yes. And the reason why both is, yeah, long. I guess given the long answer, more of an answer is uh, one is opportunity. Like I was saying earlier, you know, the running back, they've got to get the opportunity to get the touches. Now with Jeremy Hill gone, Mixon seems to be the guy that's going to get those early down touches, get the goal line carries. He was pulled out. He missed out on a lot of touchdowns because he would, you know, do some of the work to get down there, and then the ball would go to Jeremy Hill. Early in the season, you know, he would get two, three carries a game like the Pittsburgh game where he was gouging them and then they're like, okay, we're yanking you out. We're going to play other guys. And just, you know, sometimes this is, his usage just made no sense last year with Jeremy Hill gone. They really have no reason not to give him a higher volume of carries. He should be getting what he had last year, plus the carries that Hill had. So extra carries, extra touches. I mean, he's consistently shown that, and we, we saw it last week that he is a good receiver. He's not someone you have to pull out on a passing down. Uh, Gio is obviously also, obviously also very good in that regard, but 
he's someone that should have a much bigger year than last year. I think he's being underdrafted at the end of the second round. Uh, the other, I mean, he, and also the, with him, he's shown that he has the talent at Oklahoma, at Ohio state, or sorry, at Oklahoma with the Bengals. Uh, he's obviously had the talent. He's had the ability last year. The problem was he got hit so many times in the backfield that he had to do all his work just to get from a negative four yard loss, you know, or a positive four negative loss would be anyway, you know, behind the line of scrimmage up to the line of scrimmage this year, you know, Billy price can at least not get driven backwards. I mean, not that he has to get good push, but if he can at least, you know, stalemate the defensive lineman, if, you know, Cordy Glenn cannot get beat like a, a boy he had, even if we don't have the right side fixed, at least we have, you know, in theory, three-fifths of the line. Three-fifths is better than one-fifth. It's, you know, much better. So <laughs> at the very least, you can run to the left and uh, go from there. And so, you know, by that fact alone, he's got, you know, you think he's got to be better because he's a guy that, you know, when you get him in space, when you give him a little bit of room, he has that vision, he has that ability but last year he struggled so much because he wasn't getting that opportunity as soon as he was getting the ball and i, I remember um looking up a stat and compiling this feet last year i think at one point in the season o- over a quarter of his rushes went for negative yardage because he was getting hit so soon that's just a yeah that's not a good situation this year that's you think that's got to be improved just by the fact the line is is better and he has the talents so you give him any sort of chance and i think that yeah he should have a breakout year. I don't know if he's going to be top five when it's all said and done. I think the presence of Geo does cap his breakout a little bit. I think the fact they don't have a right guard or right tackle and they may not have Eifert blocking uh, in addition is going to cap him a little bit. But I think he's definitely going to be a heck of a lot better and a lot more productive than we saw in 2017. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Austin. I, I guess I was a little static, man. A little better, guys? Yeah. Yep. Okay, perfect. Um, we'll end on this one, uh, kind of do the trifecta of a call, a text, and a YouTube question. And it is uh, from Derek Rogers in our live YouTube chat. He asked this pretty early on in the process. Um, do you think Logan Woodside plays on Saturday? And then I'm going to kind of coattail it a little bit. And do you think he's going to be any kind of effective? He was kind of, you know, a, a little bit of a – a little bit of a mix of a, a backyard QB in college. He can kind of move around a little bit, make things happen, but also a little bit of the game manager style, you know, nothing flashy. That's why he, part of the reason he fell into the seventh round, but we've heard rumblings of some off field stuff. He had the DUI uh, issue coming uh, this spring, summer. Um, there's been a, a kind of some under the surface stuff that, some people know, some people don't know about this kid. But, John, uh, your thoughts on Logan Woodside potentially playing this Saturday? I I think it might be – if it would be very limited because they're going to give the starters at least, I think, in week two to get, get that rust off. But at some point, they probably need to see this kid play. Do you think he plays? And if so, do you think he impresses? I don't have a clue, to be honest, because he just started getting reps – over the past few practices. I think today um, the Bengals had like a rainy practice and he was like late coming down to the field and then like fumbled like the first like three exchanges. Not just raining and stuff, but it was just a bad practice for him in general. Yeah. I honestly, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen after any Nolan comes, comes off the field. I don't know if Driscoll's going to be the first guy out there. I don't know if Barkley, I don't know if things haven't changed and Barkley's still going to be there. Um, obviously the sooner Woodside plays the better because we, 
will have a better understanding of him the more he plays. But I'm going to say he doesn't because he hasn't had that much time with the team in, in a real-life practice scenario. He's just been, for the most part of training camp, just watching, and he's just now starting to get reps. So I, I'm going to say he doesn't because I think they're going to see want to see a little bit more of Driscoll in the beginning, and then that's going to push Barkley back. But if he does, I won't be surprised either. Scott, your thoughts on Logan Woodside? I mean, you're – you may have paid attention to him. Uh, I mean, well, both of you guys are in Ohio, so you guys probably saw a bit of him, a bit more. Did um, your thoughts on him? He's had some issues this off season. Fell maybe a little bit further in the draft than some people thought. I mean, seventh. Um, your thoughts on him? Your thoughts on him playing against the Cowboys and how he might do should he get an opportunity. I'm going to say the odds of him playing this week in Dallas are probably somewhere around maybe 0%, uh, <laughs> plus or minus zero. And the reason I say that is, as John mentioned, the starters are going to chew up more playing time. They're probably going to be out maybe two drives, maybe three. So that's going to consume probably the first quarter or more. They're still trying to figure out who that number two quarterback is. So I think they're going to give both Barkley and Driscoll probably as much time as they can just to – because they're still trying to figure out, I mean, if, if we kind of knew, if we had McCarron, we kind of knew, okay, here's our number one, here's our number two. I could see them doing, okay, Dalton first quarter, McCarron second, maybe third quarter, and then just whoever else in the fourth quarter. Because of the McCarron's not on the team <laughs> And, yeah, but because they don't have him, that's why I think Driscoll and Barkley are going to get extended playing time to, you know, for the rest of the game as they try to figure out who that second guy is. I, I think you. that's I'm, still I'm an open battle. Right yeah, I got you. Because I of that, you. I think Woodside is someone – I don't think he's going to get much playing time, one, because of that, and two, uh, because I I think ultimately what they were, they'll probably try to do is not put him in the field. I don't think he'll play to the fourth preseason game, and I would assume at that point they the idea is let's just not play him much. We're going to stick him on the practice squad so the, yeah. you know, the fewer – times we show him to the you know the rest of the teams with game film where people can watch him and see him the better we're just going to slide him on the practice squad keep him there all year and then next year we will figure out what we're doing so i guess that yeah. that's my thought unless they put him in for like the very last snap maybe they want to have him fumble when he's taking a knee or something but <laughs> other yeah, than that i think i, I think you're going to i think you're going to see a lot of him in that that finale against Indianapolis. I think the, the starters made longer than they thought game because of that pick six, because they, they ended up playing, I, I believe three series and uh, maybe they were only supposed to play two, but you know, given that pick six, then they ended up playing, you know, a little in terms of game clock, they, uh, they played a little later into the game than they thought, but I agree with you. I think maybe it's going to be a first quarter or, or quarter uh, for the starters, and then um, you know they'll they'll bring in the backups. But I and then obviously they they call preseason game three that dress rehearsal. So we may see about a, a quarter and a half to two quarters, and, and it all depends on how crisp everything is is working as well, and how good these guys look. So um, you know that that's going to depend on that. But uh, yeah, I think I think the finale is going to be you know against the Colts there, it's going to be Driscoll, it's going to be Barkley, and it's going to be Woodside. And I think they also don't want to show the Colts too much in that finale because they play them just one week later. 
<laughs> for the opener. So they don't want to they don't want to tip their hat too much as to what they're doing, especially on offense. So uh, good stuff, guys. Thanks for all the questions. Sorry we couldn't get to too many more. We're running up against it, but we did get a call, a text, and a and a YouTube chat question in. So we were uh, we're excited to do that. Thanks so much for participating. You can get this program on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and CincyJungle.com. And a uh, number of different ways to get in touch with the program. Appreciate it. We're going to get out of here. Any final thoughts, John Sheeran, uh, as the Bengals set to take on the Dallas Cowboys this Saturday? Dallas' front four just destroys the Bengals' offensive line, and I write what, I, what I've what i seen. Just don't kill me, all right? I'll ask. <laughs> don't, don't kill the messenger, right? I'll kill him. Uh, yeah. Uh, Scott, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think the – the thing I'm, I'm kind of hoping for is uh, John Brown. I've <laughs> never been a huge Bullock fan. I think he made all his kicks last week. So I want to see him did. give this guy a legitimate shot and uh, and see what he can do. I'd, I'd like to see, you know, throw him out there in some long field goal situations and, and let's see what happens. See if see if they can go, you know, do a very non-Bengal thing and go with this, um, you know, unproven young guy they've had in the roster for, what, two or three years now? Uh, I believe two years. Yeah. I believe two the last two seasons he's been on the team, but yeah, uh, interesting guy. And, uh, they did give him a lot of shots to, to kick field goals and extra points last week, but, um, they also gave Bullock a, a lot of opportunities as well. And that's okay. They're kind of splitting the opportunities and the kickoffs and all that stuff. Um, for me, my final thought, it's, it has nothing to do with, really with the Bengals or the Bengals and Cowboys game coming up here. It has to do with Jalen Ramsey. Oh God! If go check out some of this guy's comments, and he's a he's a fantastic football player, but I, I don't know what this guy's deal is. I don't know if he's trying to do. Don't, don't you know, listen to Jalen. Keep on your shit. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> the the OBJ's thing, the 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 Chad Johnson thing. I don't know if he's trying to do that stuff, but oh God, the guy just can't shut up, and it just it's like, dude, what's your deal now? I think John's point, someone's got to shut him up by their play. And uh, not many people have been able to do that, including the Bengals. And um, all I'm really going to say, if you go check out his recent comment is his comments about certain players in the league, you will understand probably why AJ green, absolutely. The guy who's the most even killed guy that you'll probably ever find absolutely freaked out on him and, and tried to punch him and all kinds of stuff last year as the two faced off. So, um, again, probably a guy people love, people hate, but that's that's part of being a, a good football player with uh, a loquacious mouth in the NFL. So if you have not seen what Jalen Ramsey has said about certain players, go check it out. He had an interview with GQ Magazine and uh, whatever. I don't know. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks for tuning in live. My thanks to John Sheeran. And Scott Schulte, as always, I love having you guys on. You guys bring it. This was a longer episode, and I appreciate you guys staying on late. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for downloading. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the preseason game as the Bengals take on the Cowboys this weekend. And uh, who day, I guess, right? Who day? Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include 
doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.